You know that feeling when uh, you're going to buy a, a car and you're looking for a car and suddenly you see all those cars on the road because you've become sensitized to it. And so when we look at the whole thing of creation care as we've been looking over the last few weeks, suddenly I started to see in all the songs that we've been singing over a period of time, um, like all things made new and right, right and new again, heaven and earth forever one in the second song we sang, or all the angels cry holy, all creation cries holy, hear your people sing holy, as if all of creation, all the whole, the whole spectrum of creation is shouting holy to God. So it's just one of those things as you go through things to be aware of. First passage that I'd like to read this morning, we read last week and I'm going back to it, I'll allude to it as we go through it. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, for he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist as you read through that to just get the, the rhythm of the feeling of all things that keeps coming through it. Creation was something that happened a long time ago. I think we can all say that quite safely. And the way that Genesis records it is that God spoke. It was his voice. It was in the person of the voice, who is Jesus, that the whole of creation, as we, as we just read in Colossians, was brought into being. And God said, let there be whatever it was, and it was so. And then he looked at it and said, at the end of it all, it's very good. It, it meets the standard. It's, it's, it's exactly what I intended. It's how it looks. And so we understand that God's word, his voice, is involved in the whole creative order. But as we looked at last week and the week before, there's been this malignant thing that has crept into creation. And we're not going to go into detail about that, but we know that the, the fall has affected not just human beings, as we've said, but the whole of cre the created order. And Tom Wright, in, in a really good, it's a huge big fat thing like this that he wrote, which is you've got to wade through it. But what he was saying right at the beginning is that when God created all of these things, his voice was his voice. It was there. It was, he expressed himself in what he created. It spoke to him and for him. When it got corrupted, some of the things that he was, that he put in place were, became muted. And so, these centuries and millennia later, there are, as he puts it, Tom Wright puts it, echoes of some of those things. 
And he picks out four at random, and I think they're really helpful things. He talks about justice, that things are right, and that there is this baseline sense of rightness and justice that's in the world, but it's, it's suppressed. There's so much injustice. He talks about relationship as being a primary thing, that it's about we all long for those kind of relational ties and connections. He talks about spirituality, about us longing for for that connection that is beyond ourselves. And then he talks about beauty. And he says all of these things, there are echoes of them, that we, that we see glimpses of them in our society. But that they always seem almost just out of our grasp. And this isn't the place to talk about addiction. But in a sense, it is like that, that you, that you, you have you experience, you encounter something, but you're always left longing for and hoping for more. And there's that struggle where things don't seem to last. It seems as if nothing is ever really truly the way it should be. And that's what he says are the echoes that, that, that reverberate in us from creation. And it's deep within us. It's not something that is um, a superficial thing. These are the deepest, profoundest, most intense longings of our very inner being. And it's in Jesus that God makes those things human. So Jesus comes to show us what it was that creation was supposed to look like. What God had intended right at the beginning. Jesus is God's voice again in terms of justice, in terms of relationship, in terms of spirituality, in terms of those things that are really, truly, ultimately beautiful. And one of the things that has happened over the centuries is the split between what is real and what is spiritual, as though there's some distinction between what is truly spiritual are these ethereal, ephemeral, mystical things, and what is real will disappear. And I want to address that this morning because if we don't understand that the created order, the things that are creative, are intended to be part of who we are and not some sort of baggage that we jettison when we go to a better life, the reality we live in will be made new and we will relive in this reality in some way. Come back to that in a second. But... I think we all agree that creation is in bad shape. And I'm not just talking about our care for the planet, which is part of what I'm doing, but it's about everything's in bad shape. If you think of the justice that goes on, or the injustice that there is, rather, or the brokenness in relationship, or the aberrant spiritualities, or how much ugliness, literally, that there is in the world. Things are not in, 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 in the way that they're supposed to be. But what God is doing through Jesus is he's saying, we're going to make this all new again. We're going to re... re um, the word in the New Testament is renew. But it's, it's, it's more than just taking something that's beaten up and giving it a, a lick of paint. It's actually reinvesting in it its original purpose making it 
what it was supposed to be. Because God is good. And he wants to bring it all back to how it was designed to be. He wants to redeem it. There's another passage that I'd like to read. It's Revelation chapter 21. A new heaven and a new earth. And this is where it gets interesting. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And I, I reckon that at that point you're supposed to shout in the loudest voice you can possibly do because when God speaks it probably makes the whole universe reverberate. But then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I give water without costs from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. So I've made the point about the echoes. Now what I want to say is that there is a new creation and it's already begun. It started. It started fresh when Jesus came. The, the end came with Jesus. When it talks about him here being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, both the beginning and the end are all held together in some kind of unity within the person of Jesus. And so when Jesus comes, what he's doing is he's, he's, in a sense, dragging the conclusion, the promise, the end of all things into the present, into this world. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, what we are actually asking is that that is drawn into the present, that God's future suddenly is manifest with us, that we are his future. We represent his future. We are the new creation. We are the promise of the fact that these echoes are now going to be given voice again. So whether it's justice issues or relationship issues or spirituality or beauty, we of all people ought to be right in the front pew of seeing this thing happen. Our spirituality has been captured by a 18th and 19th century um, mystical thing, that it's my little spirituality in my little world, and as long as I'm okay. And we've made, over the last 50 or 60 years in the evangelical church, it's become, if you just say these words and you accept Jesus into your life, then you will go to heaven. Well, 
And there's a lot of Christians who think that, but there's, the point is not that we go to heaven. So let me say this again. The point is not that we go to heaven. The Old and the New Testaments, all it's one strand that all points towards the fact that God intends to make everything new, to revitalize it, to renew it, to make it new, to make a new heaven and a new earth. It's, it's not that he's going to throw out the old one, but that he's going to somehow, and this is where, we, where, where our language just collapses because we don't have the words for it. But somehow this creation that he created, and he looked at it and said it's good, very good, He's going to get around and through the corruption. And it's a little bit like when Jesus is resurrected with the disciples. He's completely different, but he's the same. They recognize him. But sometimes they don't. And then they see the holes. And they recognize that there's a continuity between the old creation and the new creation. But it's new. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've struggled with this all week to try and put it in words that we can actually grasp. But... It's not just about, or it's not even about going to heaven. It's about something bigger and more exciting than that. And you say, well, what's bigger and more exciting than heaven? Well, it's that heaven and earth will overlap entirely, that they will be the same. At the moment, we struggle because it's, there's been this tearing apart. And what Jesus does is he comes and he dies on the cross, he is resurrected and ascends to heaven. And what God says, that's my seal of approval. I'm putting back together the things that were ripped apart at the beginning of creation, at the fall. I'm, I'm going to make it new again. I'm going to restore what I intended right at the beginning. And it would be even better. And we see that partially. So sometimes when we pray for people, they get healed. We see glimpses, echoes, voices, and we are the ones who are to be bearers of good news. This is the good news, guys, that things are going to be and are being put right, and we are going to put them right. That we are going to be, of all people, the ones who bring beauty and joy into situations. Music and art and creative ways of, of, of doing things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, Habakkuk says, the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. What Habakkuk is doing is he's saying God's glory and the earth are going to be intermingled. There's going to be, we talked about thin places. That's where you encounter God in this present reality. It's going to be like that all the time in the future. And the drama ends... And, and, and hear me carefully, because I, I want you to understand that we have shifted this. The early church understood resurrection, and all the way through to maybe even the Middle Ages and the Reformation, understood re resurrection differently to what we've come to understand. it. The drama doesn't end with souls being snatched to heaven like disembodied things that leave your body and somehow sort of move around in this thing called heaven away from the wicked earth 
there is, an, as we read, a new Jerusalem that comes down to earth where God's going to live and where there will be this integrated life between God and us and the whole of creation. Now, if you read C.S. Lewis, uh, his um, first in his trilogy of science fiction is him trying to describe what the perfect world looked like. And it's, I still, there's still imagery in that that I first read when I was just a Christian that still resonates with me. It's amazing. We don't know what it's going to look like, but I can tell you it's not just a recycled, retired world. It's way more interesting than anything that we've ever thought of up until now. The new Jerusalem comes and our place of we will live together with God in this world. It makes sense then of the lion lying down with the lamb. How's that going to work? Well, I don't know. Did Jesus eat after he was resurrected or not? I don't know. He did, yes. But did he or not? We don't know what it's going to look like. So we are to live in this moment, in today, in this life that we've been given, as people who are called to the future. And the, the reason it makes a difference is, is because we then begin to treat everything differently. Other human beings, the planet we live in, we treat it differently because it's not just going to be scrapped and burned and thrown away. It's going to be re-energized in some form. And we will get to rule in the same way that we were supposed to rule with Adam and Eve in the garden. where heaven and earth actually completely overlap with each other. And the echoes then are not echoes, but the voice is with us, who is Jesus. So we live, we who live under the Lordship of Jesus, are launching the new creation. It's coming, we're pulling it into the present in that sense. And we are called to be the people through whom all of that happens. Just a quick word about resurrection. Resurrection doesn't mean going to heaven when you die. That's not what it means. When you die, you die. And you go to be with Christ. When you die, that's life after death. Okay? I'm going slowly because I'm, I, I, want to, um, I want to make it clear for us because we need to have this in our heads. But your body remains dead. It just goes in a box or in an oven. Your choice. But then... With the resurrection, the New Testament talks about resurrection. At, at, at that time when Jesus comes again, and that even that, the second coming, isn't accurate to talk about it because he's with us at this moment by his spirit. It's really 
A better word would be at his reappearing, which is what the early church and the, and the medieval church, at the reappearing of Jesus, there will be a resurrection that Paul writes in Corinthians and Thessalonians that the dead in Christ will rise. But what, what happened to them in the interim? So when you die, you go to be with Christ. And there is this period in the middle which the New Testament writers don't try and work out. Some of the theologians in the early centuries tried to say it looks like this. It, it, we don't know what it looks like. Let's face it. But at the resurrection, that's when we are reinvested with a new body, however it looks. And I don't know if Jesus is anything to go by. You probably will have some things that will make you recognizable. So resurrection is actually life after life, after death. The, you, you, I think people have tried to say heaven is this in, interim period, but what, what I'm trying to tell you is that creation is so important to God that he's not discarding it. He's redeeming it and making it fresh and energizing it again. And so when we die, we go to be with Christ but then at the resurrection, at the final returning or um, revealing or whatever of Jesus, we all reunited with everything that God has created and it will be the way that he wants it to be. And then things like what is right and beautiful and the relationships that we have will all be unbelievably good. One of the images that C.S. Lewis talks about is that it, there's this tree and it's got this bubble that just slowly expands and then it pops a little bit like these little um, blow bubble things but as as you stand under it and as it pops there is there is something that happens with the, with the, the vapor that makes you feel new and then it happens again, and you feel the same thing again. There's no, there's no end to the exquisite sensation. So there's a sense in which your best, best ever moments, ever, are repeatable without them becoming jaded. And that's why I said at the beginning I didn't want to talk about addiction. But in this world, people want they, they pursue the same high over and over again, and then they can't get enough of it, so they have more of it and more of it, and ultimately it cripples their lives because that's the focus. But in this new created order, there will be this exquisite understanding of what it means to be alive in God. Why does that make a difference? Well, it makes a difference in how you live now. It's not a matter of just doing and saying certain things, following rules. In a very profound sense, the symbol of our baptism, and again also the symbol of the table as we eat it, is about journeying and starting a new life, like the children of Israel in the wilderness. And in a sense... That's an image of us going to the land of promise. And when we come into it, God restores and makes us whole. 
Let me end off by just saying this. When you, when you see the dawn coming, when you've been up all night and you've struggled through the darkest periods of the night and the light begins to come, things change. The shapes begin to reveal themselves and there's a, a sense of, I can actually see what's happening. I can understand what's about to happen. And, and there is this, you look back on the darkness with a slightly different perspective when the light is coming. And that's how it is for us. There is a... Well, let me just say, sin is not just breaking the law. It's not just doing things wrong. Sin is, is the opportunity missed to do what is right. You know that whole thing in the Anglican liturgy which says, uh, for those sins that I have done, but those things that I have omitted to do? Well, this is part of what it is, is that we don't live fully. We are not the expression of justice and beauty and relationships that are whole and pure spirituality. And the reason that it's important for how we view creation is that all of this is how God is going to sort itself out. He's going to re-re-energize all of it in the most profound and beautiful way. <laughs>